Learn to advocate for yourself, for your pay, for your promotions, for what's really on your plate. What are your actual responsibilities from a professional level? And just advocate for yourself on your personal level too, right? So I don't think enough of us stand up for ourselves. Welcome to Modern Business Operations, where we talk with leaders about how ops is adapting to our modern world. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Modern Business Operations. Today, I have the pleasure of hosting Farheen or Far, Director of Global Change Management and Learning and Development at Gilead Science. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to talk about change management and learning and development. Awesome. Let's start with this, the easy stuff. Tell us a little bit about you know how you got to this role, a little bit about Gilead if you want, but really what journey got you into focusing your career on change management and learning and development? Sure. As I was growing up, I always wanted to be a teacher, but then like chose other roles that were more adequate for a career, right? But I always seemed to always fall back into this thing where I wanted to teach my job instead of do my job, which was really funny. I would do my job and always get done early. And then I would like train the new hires and whatever I do. So when I used to work in banking or advertising or even supply chain, right? And logistics. So I decided to make a switch about mid-career or, you know, a few years in at least and went into learning and development or training and got my master's in education, focusing on adult learning and like the learning behaviors of adults. And because I really loved teaching and I got a role at Cisco and now at Gilead Sciences. And so I've kind of grown up the chain there. I started as the manager of learning and development and now the director of global change management and learning and development. It was just kind of a nice little transition from learning and development to the higher like umbrella of change management. So I've been here for eight years now and loving it. Nice. Well, change management is an interesting topic for me. I had multiple conversations, you know, on this podcast in the past and find myself saying multiple times that change and progress and innovation are basically the same thing, just from a different angle, right? You want to innovate or you want to make progress, you got to make change. But when you think about change, you always think about it from like a negative or I don't even know if negative, but there's from like a, you know, it's hard to do it. It's, you know, there's pushback and all that stuff. And so maybe let's double click into what is change management? What are we actually trying to solve when we're managing change? Yes. Well, change is not easy for any of us, including myself, right? So it is my job to help others get through the, the process of change management is really around, you know, managing change and the like kind of the grief curve that goes with it. Change is not easy. So it's more about, you know, helping our users, our stakeholders, our employees, whoever the end user is really of that change, get through the process of it, right? We're looking at that transition period as, and understanding them, hearing them out. So I always kind of joke around, but it's kind of like being a therapist, right? Like where you listen to what their needs and feelings are, and then you kind of bring it back to the team. And you're like, okay, well, this is what we're hearing from the ground, right? This is what we're hearing from our employees. And this is how we can make changes. And that's my idea. You know, we have to go through the ideas of change. And, you know, these are some suggestions and we can do to make the project better. So it's coming back to the project team, 
with those thoughts and feelings and needs of the end user and, you know, actually making some positive change within the company. Now, not everybody loves the change at the end, but it is something that like it took a lot of forethought and we took a lot of their thoughts and feelings and needs into account. So change management is about that process of listening to other people, understanding what they need, bringing about change in a way that they would accept it. Yeah, something I feel like, and I wonder your experience with it, is a lot of time and afterthought. Because you're kind of describing the pre-planning of it. I think the the cost of change is not always being thought through. Is that common for people to plan for change or my feeling of it is the more common? You know, a lot of people, or I'll say a lot of organizations, at least in the past, and I have seen a switch over. A lot of organizations in the past did not put a lot of time or thought or effort into like really understanding it. They would just go through with a project. And so, you know, they're like, okay, well, we have this vision and they kind of push it through and it's not really necessarily the best way. And you would get a lot of, you know, people stammering or not wanting to do the new tool, the new process, the new policy or the organizational change. So now I think there has been a shift in like ideologies in a lot of companies and organizations where they are understanding that I think the need is that you need to ask folks first, ask the people that would be most affected first. And so that it can be a little bit of a smoother transition and a better like go live or the support that will be needed afterwards will be less. So the timelines can be renegotiated or reassessed. Like what we're actually doing as deliverables on the project can be reassessed. And I like this like kind of new shift in the organizations that I'm seeing. I see a lot of new open jobs and things like that around change management because I think organizations are really understanding that this is a need. And it was an afterthought, like you were mentioning, Siggy, before. So it's a nice little shift. It isn't perfect, but it is a nice shift. Why do you think there's finally, you know, more focus on that? Yeah, I think one, organizations were using a lot of money to push through these projects, right? And then without very high adoption rates, you know, then you like look at your ROI, your like return on investment, and you're like, wait a second, this didn't work out as well as we wanted to, and our users are more befuddled, or, you know, they don't want to use this new tool or new processes. And so then it ends up taking another project to fix that project which then doubles in the amount of cost used. Also, when folks have a multitude of different organizations they can join or companies, it's a way of keeping employees happy as well. And so you retain employees and you lower the costs of basically having to do another project if you take into account end users at the very beginning of the first project. The line that I all always intriguing, and I love that it's literally in your title, that correlation between managing change, learning, and development are like three angles also, in a way, right? The process, right? Where the change management feels like, at least sounds like controlling the chaos or managing the debris, if you will, of the explosion. Somewhat from like a preventative aspect, while development and definitely through learning is, you know, getting better and so improving. And obviously there, those goals 
side by side. So I like what you said about it's part of is the design of it up front, right? So they thinking about that user from the get go and designing it with that in mind. How much do you see in that work? You know, when you manage a project of any kind, it doesn't matter if it's building a road, it can be like many different versions. There's always a cost analysis of some level that you do, right? If you're more mature, you do a very detailed one, but even on the very, you know, simple way of like, how many people would we need for this and how long we're going to take? That is also a cost analysis. What I saw through my experience, uh, again, curious your thoughts is the cost of change was a different part of after the fact that people didn't kind of equate to, right? The adoption is a big piece you mentioned or the lack of adoption if the change wasn't managed correctly, but there's also what is the cost associated with it and how do you add that to the ROI of the entire project to begin with? Are there methodologies, best practices of how to do that correctly? There are some best practices on how to do that stuff correctly, of course. And that's generally like looking at budgets and ROI and like costs are generated on the project manager. And of course, if you Google plenty of things, it, there have been studies right now as we look at, is it better to retain people or get new people? That was just do what you ask them to do from the get-go. But then, you know, when you do another change, there's going to be a loss of employees, right? So there have been many studies on just a plethora of different topics here. But at least, you know, in the organizations I've been a part of, you know, I've been a part of tech, I've been a part of biotech, I've been a part of consulting, things like that. As you get through the projects, right, and you kind of look at how people are adopting, and then they keep asking for changes, so change requests keep coming through, and you realize that having to go back to the vendor to have help with these system changes, perhaps, you end up using more and more money, right? And so I think organizations have now keyed into this, and they're looking at it, and they're like, oh my gosh, yeah, like we are having to keep going back and forth and back and forth with the vendor or with our engineers to fix the issues that could have been kind of alleviated at the beginning for just listening to folks, right? Listening to what their wants and needs are from that tool, from that process, from the policy perspective, instead of having to go back and rewrite it or re-engineer, like rewrite code or look at that processes again, right? So I think there have been multiple studies, but also I think organizations have found that they are using less resources to update what they could have just done in the very beginning. Interesting. When you do think about the sort of like original goal, you know, you mentioned maybe an example of implementing new technology and then have to go back to the vendor and or the engineering team. How do you feel it's being put into understanding of the end user that you currently have? You mentioned like, you know, something maybe you need to change, something maybe you need to train. I think training is something that people understand, the cost of training, whether you need to do that. But when you think about technology, you know, a lot of times the reason we bring technology, we think about the classic ROIs, you think about what is the leverage, what's the savings we're going to get from it, what is the efficiency gains we're going to get from it. And those efficiency gains require people to adopt whatever new process or new system you're bringing in. How much does the concept of minimizing change while introducing new things popular 
it's definitely a way that you can go. So I think, you know, as long as you also have, it depends on how large the organization is, of course, and budgets, but you have the ability to basically customize many new tools to kind of help ease the transition. So it's not a lot of change at the same time, right? But you're still getting the return on investment from a safety perspective, like, right, a cybersecurity aspect, or you're, you know, getting it from an update to policy perspective. So I think a lot of times you can actually help end users ease through that difficulty of change by making a lot of things kind of more customized to the way that they're used to seeing things in the old system. But the new system can have all those backend efficiencies that we're needing right now, right? So some things will just become invisible, right? If it just kind of runs through the workflow. But if you're talking from a system perspective or even a process perspective, or it can just look the same, right? You can manage the look and feel of the user experience, but you're getting the upside of like the new cybersecurity that will help better the organization. So I think if you're able to listen to folks and you need to ease the difficulty or the grief of change, then you're able to actually kind of customize the actual tool or the process to go along with it or even the policy. But you would say this would be a good idea or an effort worth doing? I think it is an effort worth doing. I think it depends on how well you know your employees, right? And, you know, not to kind of go into the sociology aspect of it, but also understanding who your employees are and like the different generations and how they will tolerate that change is a really big aspect of it. So, you know, there are different generations or even just different types of people that will tolerate change a lot easier than other folks, right? So understanding who your employees are or who the end users are is a really big aspect of that. And if you know that they don't tolerate change well, then you you can manage it from the user experience perspective if, if it's like a tool and manage it in the way it looks and feels for those folks so that they are more adept to embracing that change because you do need the new technology, but the look and feel won't feel that foreign to them. So they don't feel like they have to like learn a whole entire new tool. But in reality, they are still learning it, but it's more of like the look and feel that they're used to. This episode is brought to you by Tonkeen. Tonkeen's process experience platform seamlessly wraps around existing policies and systems, allowing internal service teams to do more with what they already have. Build process experiences that are personalized for each requester and use AI to automate the intake, triage, and resolution of every request. Maximize adoption, compliance, and efficiency with no change management and no code. No, and I think that's important. I think the sociology of it is important, actually. I've had the fortunate to talk to a lot of different folks with the podcast and a lot of operation leaders that are responsible for, you know, implementing new processes and new tools and improvements of existing way of doing things, right? And so, you know, facing change is a lot of it. And one thing I've ourselves say a lot is that, you know, operation people are product people, they just don't know it yet. And, you know, and I think a big part of it is exactly what you're saying. You got to understand your end user. And if you're a product person, that's the first thing you do or a marketing person immediately, who are the personas, you know, what do they care about? How do I get them to get to the finish line that I wanted to get to? while understanding what they value, what would count as a valuable time for them and so on and so forth. Like those user journeys, 
And I agree with you. I see this a lot more uh, in the last, I would say, five years, where you get to see more flexibility, maybe of the technology is one thing, maybe the flexibility of the workforce, right? You know, when you have more remote as something that got forced on everyone, it opened up, you know, scenarios where in the past, this is just how this company ran. This is our headquarters. Everyone got to do this, got to do that. And like you said, also people have more flexibility themselves to go and choose where they want to work. So a lot of that combined to me felt like the madness of when you're trying to build a product or sell a product. Because, you know, when you have less control on the audience and it's more up to you to make the effort to understand the audience, design your solution in a way that they would find benefit. You can't just come and say, just do it this way. I mean, if you take that tops down approach where, you know, executive leaders are just saying you have to do this, which is fine, right? Sometimes there are some things at work you just have to do. And, you know, you sign up for that when you decide to be employed by them. But, you know, and when you do decide to change those processes or change what you have, then it does make sense to listen to the users of that tool, process, policy, and listen to what they're saying, because some of the things that were pushed down from before are not working in the best way possible, right? The users who do it every single day have thought of other ways to do this that's easier or faster or more streamlined. And so it makes a lot more sense to like listen to those end users, right? And listen to what they're saying, because they do it day in and day out. Just like, you know, an accountant may they do the ledgers day in and day out, or they do whatever they need to day in, day out. They have thought of another way to do it maybe faster. And I can guarantee if you just ask the folks on teams what they like and what they don't like about the tool and like how they could do it quicker, they may have already found out different ways that they could have used Excel faster, right? And so it, it makes sense to listen to those people at the end of the day, because they could be helping to save the organization or the company money because they could have done that thing faster, right? They could have streamlined that process where it was not thought of at the very beginning. And so I think, you know, listening to your employees is really important. Of course, things will be pushed from the top-down approach, but also if you're deciding to do that, but also looking at what employees are saying, I think it's a win situation, right? You know you're going to make this change for this system, but then listening to what people have been using before and what their struggles have been can help make the new system way easier to use. And so yeah. just listening to folks is really important. Yeah, I think top-down always needs to be there when you think about what it is that we want to prioritize. Right? Like, I think people are also looking for that, right? So you know, that's expectation. But how to do it, you know, so like the difference between what to do and how to do. I completely agree that the likelihood of someone high up that is not doing the, the job every day, you know, to know how to do it better is less likely, definitely in a vacuum. So I think this is a really good and important tip here, right? Is when you think about managing change or a project, that's serving the land, if you will, and understanding the personas, understanding what's been working or not. There's a funny story I've heard one of the social medias like a few weeks ago where there was this really complex, I don't remember what the actual 
factory did, but where they had to kind of remove bad parts and, you know, engineers from the top, the architects, you know, build this prototype and plan of building this extremely expensive machine with like millions of dollars and will take months, if not years to bring, right? And then the CEO went to the factory floor to see the problem in his own eyes because he said, I just, you know, this doesn't make any sense. And what he found that on the beginning of the assembly line, there was a fan that someone put that was pushing out things. And apparently, you know, this kid intern saw the same problem, but realized that the things that you need to remove are lighter than the thing that you need to keep and just putting a fan, like literally, you know, house fan in front of it, would just take out the thing that they take out. It didn't do justice to the story, but I think you get the point is, is yeah. that, you know, that those examples where sometimes it's actually the solution might be a simple thing. It might be something you can attach outside of the coin system for this one case, edge case that actually is a blocker for the entire process. And maybe since you wanted a better outcome and you looked at it top down, you might've over-engineered, over-complicated, over-invested in a project that is actually a much simpler solution if you actually do the groundwork. Exactly. If you take the ideas from folks, they've already re-engineered things that you've never thought of, right? And you're right. The top 10 approach is really necessary for goals and what we should focus on and what is the organization going towards, right? What is that mission? What is that vision? But a lot of people already who work on things operationally have already reconstructed certain things to make it work faster or smoother for them. And the people are really like, you know, they have a lot of ideas. Everyone's a little inventor in their head. They're a little entrepreneurial, right? They're all thinking of different ideas and different ways to make things better. And so <laughs> they've already done some of the work for you in theory, right? From mm -hmm. a tops-down approach. If executives are wondering what's going on operationally, they should definitely talk to those folks because they've already like kind of remastered some things to go faster because the tool wasn't working the way it was expected to, yeah. right? When they first joined, they realized that they used to use this old process at the other company that actually they can kind of implement here and things start working more efficiently. People have great ideas. You just have to kind of listen to them and give them a little leeway to do it. What motivates people is, I've seen in some certain studies is that they're kind of given the leeway to do what they need to do and what they want to do. I know other companies or other organizations used to do like a free day once a month that where you're just like, okay, just ideate, right? Just think of ideas and think of like how you can put that together and bring them to the table, right? You don't have it. It's a day off of like doing your normal operational duties, but it's a day to ideate. And we want to hear those ideas. And a lot of companies have done really well for it. I love it. No, this is great, great advice. Maybe on a personal level, you know, I always like to ask, what is from your career from, you know, early on, what is advice that stuck with you and you like to pay forward? Okay. So a couple of things, right? So early on in my career, I used to work in like kind of marketing and PR and advertising. I learned that you should document everything. <laughs> so. Any conversation, anything that someone needs done from you and you have that conversation back and forth, either on an IM instant message, like our Teams message or a Google chat or any chat of any sort when it was Skype or whatever you used, 
or on email, right? So make sure you keep documenting everything. You know, if your manager asks for this and then you talk, you know, have a conversation, everything is documented. So at the end of the time, or if a project doesn't go well or something else doesn't go well or performance review time, you're able to pull it back up and you're like, this is what I was able to accomplish. This was all my goals. Or if something doesn't go well, you're like, well, we have these conversations. You're able to back up because you need to cover your own butt sometimes, right? As bad as that sounds. Another piece of advice, I think just kind of going forward, and this is just me being from an education background, right? Be a lifelong learner. Be open to change. Be open to thinking outside the box more so. And again, change is difficult. But if you're open to thinking outside the box and trying new experiences, kind of changing the mindset where you're just like, okay, everything's a kind of a new thing to learn. You kind of just don't get so stuck in your old ways and you're able to kind of think in a different way. It actually helps open up the mind to think in another way. If you're just open to learning about other processes, open to learning other things just in life, right? I've never picked up a guitar before, but... I'm a musician. I was. It doesn't sound like a bad instrument to pick up. I can maybe try it out. And you never know. I may learn a new skill. I may realize I hate it, and but at least I gave it a try, right? How do you know if you like it or you don't unless you try it? Given there are some things that are way outside on the like personal spectrum that you may not like and you already know you don't like it. But, you know, there are certain things that if you're open to learning new things, then you may be opening up yourself to like, a whole new life too. You never know. And then learn to advocate for yourself, for your pay, for your promotions, for what's really on your plate. What are your actual responsibilities from a professional level? And just advocate for yourself on your personal level too, right? If you don't like doing that, you've tried it, you've kept your mind open, you know, be able to say that you don't. So I don't think enough of us stand up for ourselves. A lot of us have grown up as people pleasers, (laughs) myself included. So, you know, it's, there are just new things you're constantly learning and new experiences and new life skills. I could agree more. I think that independence, that sort of, you know, being thoughtful about things, keeping track of them, you know, trying to look, you know, plan forward, keep learning. I love that. Cannot agree more. I think, you know, new skills, but sometimes new perspectives, you know, I wish. Yeah. We definitely can use society to be a little more open to different ideas these days. Yeah, this is great. Well, Far, thank you so much for this conversation. Thank you, Sagi. I appreciate it. If anyone, you know, want to chat with you or contact you, what's the best way to do that? You can find me on LinkedIn. So I'm not sure if everybody will be able to see my full name here, but it's just my full name, no space, yeah. LinkedIn, <laughs> um, or at least for the URL or like Farheen K. And then you can look up, you know, change awesome. management and I should pop up. Awesome. Thank you so much. Appreciate the time. Have a great night. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Modern Business Operations. You can see the show notes and all of the resources mentioned in today's episode at tonkeen.com slash mbopod. Thank you for listening and be sure to subscribe for updates on future episodes. And if you're interested in staying up to date on all things business operations, join the Tonkin community at tonkin.com community.